So good. The song is still good. I'm Amy Rivers, and this is Eating After Midnight, a podcast where me and my best friend Sasha Chambers reheat movies from our childhoods to see if the leftovers have retained their flavor or leave a bad taste in our mouths. It's also about how these movies influenced, inspired, and shaped us, whether the ideas they cooked up fed us, nourished our bodies and minds, or just rotted our teeth and clogged our mental arteries. Sasha and I are not film critics but we do have a genuine love for movies as well as a beautiful friendship that spans 26 years and counting and counting and counting and counting. Hi, Amy. Hiya, Sasha. How are you today? I am very, very well, Sasha Chambers. How excited are you to review this movie today, Amy? I'm actually really excited because there's a lot to be said about this movie. There's so fucking much to be said about this movie. There's an inability to um, not be passionate about how you feel about this film. Yes. And that film is... Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 I'm renaming dun, this Amy's theme. Dun, dun, dun. I love that fucking I'm going to change this to your ringtone. This is your ringtone now. <laughs> St. Elmo's fire, that. everybody. Yes, yeah, St. Elmo's fire. Into the fire, to the limit of my patience. <laughs> this motherfucking oh, movie that, took okay, me. Let's just talk about the, the songs first, because the, the song that I was singing is um, the theme song that's mm-hmm. throughout the whole movie. Uh-huh. But the actual like song, St. Elmo's Fire, is this whole other song called Man in Motion that plays quite a lot in it. And then, mm-hmm. so if you look up the theme to St. Elmo's Fire, that fucking song comes up all the time. That song's shit. I can't. We already talked about this. I can't with the, with the music in St. Elmo's Fire. And as you pointed out, okay, so St. Elmo's Fire, 1985, Joel Schumacher directed and it suffers from the same fucking problem as Lost Boys does where a tiny clip of music gets used at every possible opportunity and it is the schmaltziest piece of music ever that I can't tell at certain points if it's going to lead into an international coffees commercial where we celebrate the fucking moments of our life or it's about to be an SNL sketch (laughs) fucking making fun of hemorrhoid cream. It's so schmaltzy and over the top that I can't, I can't, it kills me. I think that if you heard it once, you would love it. It's just like, <laughs> it, it just, it's right. the music bed for every Exactly. Once the- they drill it into your head, like an e- ear, like an earworm, like it's on the Guantanamo Christmas album. It's just so torturous. And I, I mean, I'm sure we're going to do more Joel Schumacher films, but yeah, he did the same thing with Cry Little Sister and, and Lost Boys, the exact fucking same thing. Where he's just like, this is a great song. 
not anymore because you're just like, ugh, by the end of it. But to be fair, I still love it. Dum bum, ba bum 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 bum. Amy's theme. <laughs> so here we go. St. Elmo's Fire, 1985, Joel Schumacher directed and starring, surprise, surprise, nearly every member of the cast of our previous film this month, The Breakfast Club. And we're not, we're not, we're not breaking any molds here, just like we didn't on our necessarily uh, break any molds on our interpretation of The Breakfast Club. If this isn't a sequel to The Breakfast Club, I don't know what. I don't know what. I mean, the opening sequence gave me like the littlest bit of crew nostalgia, right? For having that tightly knit group of friends. You were like a crew of seven. You rolled seven to 10 deep when you were in your late teens, early 20s. There was always someone to hang out with, always someone to do something with. But what this reminded me of more than anything to fall in love with. Oh, my God. What this reminded me of more than anything was the time me and some of my tighter homies from high school got hella high and did that thing where you synced up the dark side of the moon with the Wizard of Oz, because the parallels between Breakfast Club and St. Elmo's Fire are just they're too close. They're too close. You can absolutely see how this would be a sequel to the Breakfast Club and how these it's actually sad. It's actually sad, right? Because you end the Breakfast Club with all this hope for these kids. <laughs> and then you find out that they just become some privileged pieces of insufferable shit. And it's <laughs> so depressing. You know, I'm not on the trip that it is a automatic kind of sequel. And this is the next chapter. What? I, I mean, I, I mean, I, you're going to have to go with your theory, but to be fair, my, my take here is I don't care about that so much. Like my real problem is just with the whole film and the underlining question of why, 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 and why I say that's the so underlining question because literally every character choice that is made in this film, the question is why there's not one thing that somebody does where you're like, that makes sense. Sure. Okay. Yeah, I agree. That resonates. No, every single one is why, why did you do that? Why, why? did you stop? Why, why are you doing that? You're going to do something stupid. What? Stop. Why? Yeah. Why? Stop, drop, stop, why? drop and ask yourself why every single <laughs> fucking one of you stop, drop and ask yourself why. So, okay, man. Okay, man. Like, so like, here's my theory. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Here's how it goes, man. So like Bender, he yeah. starts off really into Claire, right? Like the rich girl. And like they date for a while. And Claire is obviously Jules. And Bender obviously is Alec, right? So Bender and, and Claire, they date for a while. And then they break up. Yeah. And then Bender gets together with fucking Ali Sheedy's character, whose name I'm blanking right now. And Allison. like Allison, right? And Allison's an artist. And she, of course, grows up to become an artist and changes her name to Leslie. And he changes his name to Alec, right? So they're the fucking same person same fucking person brian who is the author of their essay their group essay becomes kevin the fucking emo nihilistic writer right andrew McCarthy. and then andrew mccarthy and emilio estevez's character andrew who was all a jock but didn't want to be a jock he becomes really good friends with brian who was like you have other talents man you don't you're more than jock man he's like you're right i could be a fucking lawyer if i want to be so he becomes a fucking law student right it all adds up man and then billy and wendy those are some other kids that they just like picked up along the way and added to their crew but it all adds up <laughs> it all adds up it all makes sense 
It's all connected, man. So interestingly enough, and I didn't know this until I uh, did the minimal amount of research on this, is that the Brat Pack movies basically are these two movies. Like, that's it. Really? And then, yeah, yeah. I mean, basically after this one came out, they coined the phrase Brat Pack. And then these people just like immediately stopped working together because they no longer, they of course didn't want to be called the Brat Pack. Um, I mean, they did sort of work together here and there, but these are basically the two Brat Pack films. And then you refer to these people as part of the Brad Pack, but they're not actually in any more films together. If you oh, think about it. are you serious? Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, this is what I read. I so don't they know. do. They would still do movies, just not together. Yes. Fucking yes. prima donnas. <laughs> well, it's interesting because the one I, what I read was like um, written in 1985 or 86, like right when these movies came out, and it was really kind of a slice of Hollywood life. Um, these guys, you know, hanging out in Hollywood and just everyone you know, loving them. And Emilio Estevez was kind of the ringleader of them all because, mm. you know, he comes from Hollywood royalty. And mm-hmm. Judd Nelson was kind of the guy in the corner who would always be like, this this party sucks. And, and then Rob Blow actually was the only, um, he at the time had a girlfriend, right? Sarah Gilbert. So he was like, the goody two shoes, haha. We all know what happened in the eighties. Um, he was the goody two shoes who who would stop the party early and then go see his girlfriend. So it was all about them and just being young and and cool and and you know the hottest thing in Hollywood. And well, as it but goes, you, you you found another factoid that this, <laughs> this movie was um, built based on a, a true story that apparently the writer. Um, is a self-proclaimed stalker and worked at a hotel called St. Elmo's and fell in love with a waitress who had, did not return his feelings, whom he became obsessed with and thought it would become a great story. Because that storyline in this is, is one of the ones where I'm just like, what the fuck? This is so, there's so much about this film that's problematic. So much about it is problematic. But I, I don't, like you said, it's so much why I don't know if there's anything that's right. Everything is wrong. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, all the men are pretty horrific. Horrific. All the women are just why? Yeah. Why? And I think we may have actually found a rival to fucking Ariel. And that would be, damn, Dale, are you really that (laughs) fucking stupid? How do you have a fucking medical degree with the brain of a squirrel? What the fuck, girl? What? Oh my! God. I can't with Dale. Damn, Dale. Damn, Dale. <laughs> Damn. All right, let's get in the soup. Oh, do we have to? That's we just have to go into it. Um, the right. Duoma begins. The Duoma begins. It's like graduation, right? And the yeah. first thing is this car accident. And I told you this earlier. The first thing that that hit me was that a she had to pay for the hospital, Wendy had to actually yeah. pay to get, you know, uh, for the service in the hospital, which of course is true. Um, and I, I probably, if I still lived in America, that one of, I wouldn't have even clocked it, but now that I live in a beautiful socialist country where they don't make you pay if you've got cancer 
or get in a car accident. That's not your fault. It's just like, what? It just was like, oh, that's very sad. There's a together. We need to pull it together for real. But there's a lot that happens in that opening hospital scene. First of all, the first thing that happened was because I haven't seen this movie in such a long time. This was my second watch of it in the last like month, right? The naked guy. I had completely missed the naked guy on the first watch and was so taken aback. Yes. Did you miss him too? I know. It's like one of those creepy government experiments to see like how much do people actually notice and how much can we get away with? There's a giant naked man in the opening shot in the hospital. So much so that I was so, I was eating pudding and I dropped my pudding spoon in my pants. It looked like I shit myself. Like that's how shocked I was by this giant naked dude roaming around in the background, big old naked booty. Okay. Then the next thing that I was struck by was the fact that Andrew McCarthy is smoking in the hospital. What? I don't I didn't smoking even, in the hospital. Oh my God. I didn't even she has to pay. She has to pay for the medical services. And Jules is like, oh, I have like a lot of cash on me though, like 75 or 80 bucks. Oh, 1985. <laughs> 75 or 80 bucks. So long ago. I have a lot of cash on me. Yeah. It's amazing. My one of my things in this first scene is, um, oh, isn't drunk driving charming? Yeah. And how cute. Just, it's just like what? Because, OK, kids will be kids. Boys will be boys. Dear audience, we just jumped in with our complaints without even really explaining what happens. Basically, Wendy, played by Mayor Hemingway. Hemingway. We actually haven't done any justice to this film. We haven't set it up. We haven't done the IMDb. We haven't discussed who the characters are, like the actors. We just said the same thing for Breakfast Club and started to shit. We just pooping on it big time. Let's let's zoom, 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 zoom back. Okay. Okay. IMDb, right? I don't even think they've got anything. Wait, let me let me go back. Well, I, I mean, to, to be fair, critics. like one of the the critics of uh, New York Magazine said, nobody above the moral age of fifteen could enjoy this movie. And I think that is that, that's the most accurate thing you could say. Who is that guy? Because I want to send him a fan mail. Fucking IMDb. That's all we need to say. It's a film where <laughs> no one above the moral age of fifteen could possibly enjoy it. Okay. Okay. Well, this is this is the IMDb. Um, all right. It's short and sweet. A group of friends just out of college struggle with adulthood and their white privilege. Does that work? I think that you fixed it. There, I think I you fixed, fixed it. it. Amy fixed it. I fixed it. There okay. There's that. So yeah, it's a bunch of um, white Insufferable kids who graduated kids. college <laughs> in the East Coast and how they fuck up their lives within a year. Yeah. Does that work? Yeah, um, the kids from Breakfast Club well, all managed to go to Georgetown University and shit all over their own lives. Well, ex- except for the fact because they have white privilege, it's just a struggle year. They're going to be fine. It's just, it's just St. Elmo's fire. We're all going <laughs> through it. Oh, my God. Okay, so so in this opening scene, Wendy, who is a Jewish uh, rich girl, uh, she's a square right? She's, she's dowdy. Oh, and there's that horrible part when she talks about herself being fat. And life in the fat lane. Oh, life in the fat lane. It's a sad line. I mean, Mayor Winningham is her name. And, um, uh, you know, she's probably the one actress in this movie that you kind of like want to root for, yeah. except she fucking sucks too. Uh, like, and we'll get into it. Uh, so 
she's driving in um, her brand new car. No, she's not driving. Billy is driving her car. Billy played by Rob Lowe, who's just a piece of shit. We'll get into him more later. They get in a car accident. The car's totaled. They're in the hospital. And it's she has just a Band-Aid like, on her forehead. They've totaled the car, but he, she has a Band-Aid on her forehead and that's it. Yeah, yeah. There's no like whiplash or anything. In fact, like the whole car accident happens and Kirby actually goes back to work after it's done. Yeah, just goes right back to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but before we get there, we meet Dale and and we'll talk about how fucking awful Dale well, is. Well, we kind of get, we get a pulse on all of them. We find out that Wendy yeah, is this dowdy on. girl who who must have some kind of fixation on Billy because why would she let a drunk drive a car? We find out that Billy is like the drunk wild child in the group. We find out that Kirby is a law student and a waiter. We find out that Alec is, you know, a yuppie fucking up his own ass, um, up and coming political intern. Um, and his girlfriend is Leslie who follows him everywhere he goes and And has has a big heart for everyone. Exactly. And Jules is, you know, a little rich debutante who, uh, you know, wears 9,000 bracelets at once and always has a date. And yeah, so we, we basically, and then, and the, um, Kevin is a chain smoking nihilist who takes nothing too seriously, except oh. for his long burning torch for Leslie. Right. Um, yeah. So, and but yes, Dale. the next very important thing that we get in the hospital is introduced to goddamn Dale, doctor of Kirby's dreams. What? Okay. So, so Kirby sees her, um, Kirby played by Emilio Estevez falls instantly in love with her again. He actually did know her from Georgetown. She was older than him. So they have a brief conversation where he's trying to chat her up, but she's, you know, a doctor in this hospital. So she shoes him because something happens and all you really see is her pick up a little black boy. She swoops up this small black child into her white cloaked arms, opens a swinging hospital door and disappears into the white light of white saviorhood. I screamed. What happened? Screamed. What happened? Was it, did it, it, his mom, is she hurt? Or is there just like a baby being born? To all black like- children need saving. Amy, what are you talking about? Well, when they opened the doors, because I had to rewind it because I was like, what? <laughs> what the <laughs> fuck happened? Again, again. Yeah. Why? Just all Why? of a sudden, this child is Why? there for her to collect up off the floor. Yeah. She hasn't talked to anyone. No one said anything to her. No all charts she- have been delivered. No something right. over the PA, like nothing at all. <laughs> Black child on the floor. Save your swoop. God, this is going to yeah. be a long episode because oh, no, it won't. this is the first <laughs> 13 minutes, 13 seconds of the movie. It, you know, I did rewind it a couple of times because when she opens the door, when she opens the door to the hospital wing, like I looked inside and there was like a happy, um, like older woman and an older black woman um, and older black man. So I was like, oh, maybe it's just her having a baby. But they just left the little, her, their child outside because that's what black folk do. Like, what is it about? I can't. It's 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 fucking horrendous. It's horrendous. So so from there, I don't remember exactly what happens if Billy. I know Billy t- gets put into the cop car, but I feel like the next thing that happens is they're all drinking again at the bar. They go straight to Kirby's workplace. <laughs> yeah, to hang out will- and drink some more. 
Well, first, uh, because that's what you should do if you have a potential concussion. Absolutely. Um, and, and isn't drink, drunk driving charming. You charming. know what I mean? Like everyone's just like, just oh, brush it off. It's no fine. biggie. It's fine. it's fine. They, they actually pay his bail and then they go. Drink yeah. Him. That's and what it is. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. Because he's white. They're able to get in a car accident, go to the hospital. He's allowed to go to jail for it and literally get out before Kirby gets off work and play his sax, play his sax on the edge of the fucking ambulance. And yeah, no, I can't. It was, it was pretty ridiculous. So then they go to the bar. They're at the bar where we establish them, like the, the, how, how tight of a crew they are. And I hate them so much in this bar. First of all, I don't know if you know this about me, but like any kind of, and this is going to sound racist as fuck, but whatever, I don't care. Uh, we can edit it out, maybe. Um, a bar full of drunk white people, like singing Sweet Caroline or something at around 1.30 in the morning is one of my deepest fucking fears. So every time they do that, like, boogada, 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 yeah, like fucking chant. Every time they speak in unison, I am terrified and looking for the exit. I'm like, this is not going to end well. Is that just an East Coast thing that booga 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 ha 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 ha? I mean, it was in trading places too. Was it? Like, was it? Yeah, they do it at the exact um, same thing. Yeah, they do. It must be like an East Coast thing. If anybody oh. knows, can you please send us a note? Booga yeah. booga booga ha 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 ha. That whole please noxious thing it just terrified me and and it was so cringy it was so cringy i don't like anything when people do stuff in unison like that it just really creeps me out and i was not feeling it there i think it's it's the sports bar thing too it doesn't bother me if people are singing in unison i think that's beautiful but uh if it's like a sports bar and they're drinking miller light or coors i think then you've got an issue well that's what i'm talking about (laughs) <laughs> a bunch of like drunk white privileged people lit as fuck and chanting, chanting some secret fucking chants. <laughs> so I'm like, well, no, I'm so I, I also just have one very important part of this whole scene that happens. And and really, we're not going to go plot by plot point. No, we're, we're going to so spare y'all. Just that. because it really doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. Like things happen. You know, they graduate. Things happen. Yeah. A movie started and it eventually ended. Thank Um, God. But but in in this in this uh, when they do go to the bar, Rob Lowe um, loses his job. Billy loses his job. So Alec puts his head in In a a fucking toilet. toilet. Okay, number one, if any friend of mine did that, they would no longer be my friend. That would be the end of the movie. That should be the end of the movie. Like after this happens, like we're done. But it's not. It's not to the point where. Like they just go back into the bar. He doesn't even wash it off. He doesn't. It's this is a public. He his face off. Restroom. He puts his hands in his hair. He like brushes his hair on the. It went in his mouth. Pool water went in his mouth. <laughs> I was so. It's literally sad. worse than um when when Wang put like alley water in in um Jack Burton's yes. eyes. Yeah. Uh, no, this one's a public toilet. Not only a bar toilet, toilet. bar. Oh, it's it's nasty. Boogada, boogada, boogada. Yeah, (laughs) no. (laughs) Go back to the hospital. This is worse than the car accident. Maybe Uh, this is a prequel to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Maybe that's where (laughs) Billy ends up. Oh, God. So the next scene, we're in Alec and Leslie's brand new apartment because they've just moved in together. 
And the only note I have here is that there's those glass blocks. Remember those glass uh -huh. blocks? Yeah. That's like literally the only thing. And that should be another one of our, um, you know, if you see a Garfield, if you see like a Mickey Mouse telephone, or, yeah, and you see glass blocks because uh -huh. they have that, that, that glass block selection, uh, yeah. separation. Yeah, my my note my note on them was as I'm looking for an apartment, I was like, oh, nice pad for a fucking 22 year old intern and an up and coming <laughs> looking like you know it's funny you you keep artist are you kidding you keep on mentioning her job but what is there a mention of her job yes there's several mentions of her job that's her whole reason for not wanting to get married remember he's like if you bring up your goddamn career as another reason for why we can't get married he's such a piece of i hear that he says career but do mm -hmm. they ever say what that career actually she mentions is? her drafting table twice and when they're sitting there talking she, that's clearly what she's doing Okay. Okay. She's, yeah. I mean, I was just wondering because I, I mean, I heard drafting table, but I mean, that could, that could be 6,000 different. I don't think she's an architect. I'm fairly certain that she's, she's an artist of some kind. Yeah. Um, like a graphic designer or some, something like that. But yeah. while we're on the topic, why does every house or every apartment in this movie have a mural? And, and which what one are they? And what the fuck are those murals at that? Like the one that they have, I was like, this is a bunch of dudes wandering around. Some of them look like they're wearing sports gear. Am I ignorant? Is this like a great artist that I'm not aware of? What's happening? No, no. It must be a photograph of, of a, uh, of a marathon or something. That's what I thought. I thought it was Why like the, the Boston marathon or something really like awful. that. And um, then later on Billy Idol mural that has like neon where his earring is. <laughs> Not actually, I mean, that was pretty, that was actually pretty sweet. That was a nice no, touch. No, that, I mean, that was a nice touch from Ron, the token gay decorator. Oh my God, I forgot about Ron. We're going to have so many problems oh, fucking, with this film. Oh, look, okay, so look, I'm going to get into the problems right now. We don't, because we're, because we're not going plot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ron, the token gay, gay decorator. I'm so mad about this. I can't stand that there was like just a token gay character who never gets to say anything other than I just got my nose done and it's basically like he's gay too when when she thinks when Jules thinks that Kevin is gay because obviously all gays want to be with each other just by virtue of having gay as a commonality like that idea really I'm just like that's disgusting that's horrible and I, I can't tell if there is any self-awareness of that point in the film. Do you know what I mean? So here's my question, right? It's wrong. And Ron is like, it, it's just so obnoxious that um, A, how she kind of, uh, Jules, um, pressures Andrew mm -hmm. McCarthy's character uh, just because he doesn't have a girlfriend, he must be gay. And then she pressures some dude on him. And, and then Ron just having this idea that he's all up for it just by the virtue of him being gay. But as we know, like Joel Schumacher is gay. And mm -hmm. I wonder just to play devil's advocate. Then there must shit, be some awareness but, of it then. There has like, to be. Like, was it an issue of just like having a gay plot at all was taking a step mm. forward? Even if we're making jokes of it like it, it was that the notion that they had right because i mean this was a gay man who who directed this film fair point yes or or you know what i mean and and there i'm trying to think of 
another, you know, it's like if there was actually an Asian in a film, as much as they would put him down, at least they put them in the movie. You know what I mean? <laughs> there it was, was like, one in this one, but he was white. What was that? The fucking Korean ambassador was a white yes, man. Yes, what the actual yes. fuck? <laughs> the whitest Korean man in the world is. Oh in this my movie. God. There's so many. Okay. We, so we have, we have the, like the token gay decorator, a white Korean amb- ambassador, a magical Negro prostitute. Oh my okay. God. The prostitute. I forgot about the prostitute. Okay. And then my head hurts. The, my head hurts. Because and then I this forget. is weird. Joel Schumacher has us subjected to nothing but crass Jewish stereotypes about money. There is never a scene with Wendy or her family that is not about money. Oh my God. I didn't even think about that. Every single fucking scene. And it is crass as fuck. Once, once we get into the apartment with Alec and, uh, and Leslie, we, we start to get a clue as to like how really toxic um, their relationship is. And now there's this like awful power struggle and how he's just really overbearing and her relationship, like she points out, is just kind of a part of his career puzzle in what it needs to look like for him to move forward in the world. I think it just we just start to get set up how toxic all of these relationships are, because the next thing that happens is Jules knocks on the door, semi drunk already with some kind of drama, and they just give her more alcohol. And then they get into this chat that is insufferable. We find out that her step monster and so this is the only thing part where like Jules actually is endeared to me in any kind of way. We find out that she actually had some kind of degree of childhood trauma that her father who has had many wives had this one in particular who used to lock her in a closet when she would cry. And that for whatever reason, this woman who is now on her deathbed has put her down as her next of kin. And that is really problematic and upsetting for Jules who is already clearly an addict. So I can kind of get behind her storyline Hers is the only one that kind of, I mean, she's obnoxious. Don't look, don't, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not here. I'm not Jules for president over here, but like, (laughs) I, you know, I am kind of like, oh, that's really, that is actually kind of fucked up. But I could see how that would, would spiral someone who's already in a fragile um, fucking state way out of hand. But I mean, when she does finally break down in that Kate Bush video of a cry for help, I like, I, I, at that point, I don't care. At that point, I don't care because she's, well, she's you know what the thing is obnoxious. But yeah, we just and oh. then we like we basically jump from apartment to apartment, like seeing what these people do, right? So then we've got um, Kevin and Kirby in their apartment, you know, talking about love now because Kirby has not only seen fucking goddamn it, Dale at the goddamn hospital, he somehow <laughs> managed to convince. I don't know what. I guess this is why he's in law school, because he's some silver tongued motherfucker that convinces people to give him her schedule. He steals he gets it. All Doesn't this he say he steals it? Did, did he say steal or did he just say, I got, I got it. I got her but, fucking but hospital it, rotation schedule. That's which not is- even the point. The point is, is like men of the world. If you like a girl, that's okay. You're allowed to like whoever you like, but you are not allowed to go to her place of work and steal or obtain or ask for her schedule. This You're is, not allowed okay. to do that. And Kirby and this is Kirby, the beginning yes. mm. of the Kirby story, which is interesting that you said that this was based on a real life, you know, um, real story, <laughs> real life story based on a true story. Um, because it just is 
it baffles me that the genesis of this whole thing is based on a stalker, you know, a, a, the charming stalker. It, the, it just the charming me. stalker, one of the most like kind of like um, our say anything issue. This is a problematic character that repeats itself throughout the 80s. It is not OK that Kirby gets her fucking hospital rotation schedule. It no. is not OK that he harasses a restaurant and shows up four hours before their date to plan everything they're going to eat. It's not okay that he stalks her to a meal to a party that she goes to gets and then gets soaking wet and goes inside to the party and shows and, and, up there and then goddamn dale why do you take a stalker to your home it makes no sense because i mean then the film knows that he's obsessed and troubled i mean he even says it he says the words like i'm obsessed and they they do that shot from his point of view so it's like him looking through the window and then him squish 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 walking through the party yeah. <laughs> it's scary as fuck yeah yeah it's a horror film and then you know she takes him to her apartment where her dialogue is basically like, you don't want to be obsessed with me. I don't even take the garbage out on time. My roommate hates me. Of course she does. You're a fucking idiot. Because you just brought a stalker home. You just brought a sn pillow sniffing stalker home. Are you fucking kidding me? God Are damn, Dale. Me? Are you fucking? It's just why? Why would you, you know, and it's the thing is, is this is how a stalker works like a stalker knows what they're doing is wrong like i mean maybe that's not so true but my personal stalker my 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 uh experience with the stalker he knew it was a problem and the only way i stopped being stalked is because he told me that i needed to he told me I, he was stalking he, he was out of you control know, he, of himself he, right yeah and he told me that I, I i am obsessed and and if you don't change your passwords and and kind of help me get out of of the the you know chains i am to my obsession with you then i'm going to continue to do it so oh that's so that's fucking what, scary exactly that's what kirby is bringing to the party oh, but it gets so much more problematic than that so kirby goes to her house kirby then somehow manages to because a korean ambassador puts an ad in craigslist that's how Korean. right the white her. Korean ambassador manages he he goes and scores that job after Rob Lowe I guess maybe that's his reference the kid who fucking fucked his girlfriend in his own hot tub gives a reference to another friend and the ambassador is like yeah well your other friend sucked but you might be better so he gives the job to Kirby who then uses it as a way to pose as having money to then impress goddamn Dale and then throws this massive party to which Dale accepts the invite. And on one hand, I don't want to victim blame. I, you know, maybe want to throw a bone to Dale. Maybe she feels super awkward and uncomfortable. So she takes the number as though, but it's like, thanks Kirby, I'll try. And like, pretends like she's gonna go to this fucking party. He throws this massive like stupid party in the ambassador's house to which of course she doesn't show up in. He then steals his friend's car, drives it up a mountain without snow chains on the fucking tire, gets stuck in the snow. They goes to the door, 
to which her boyfriend, like he's already seen, the boyfriend opens the door, buck-ass naked, wrapped in a blanket. And he's like, figures out that she's with someone and then goes and locks himself in the car. And then obviously both of them, well, Dale has the brain of a squirrel, but her boyfriend obviously must be just like some kind of saint who invented Doctors Without Borders because he's fine to go outside and be like, man, you should just come inside because, you know, you're going to freeze to death. You've clearly been stalking my girlfriend for like the last month, but you you should come inside. How could you sleep? How could you sleep with your stalker in the fucking house? Either of them. He could have turned them into confetti. Gives them his pajamas. See, I, I, I told you this. My feeling here is... And it's the only thing that makes sense because ultimately you're right. It does not fucking make sense. Again, another situation where the question is, um, why, Mm, why, right? The only thing that makes sense to me is this guy, the, the boyfriend in this scenario who kind of gave me, uh, Aiden Quinn vibes. Mm, Very cute. Very handsome. You know, very handsome. Very, very rugged. Very very dashing. He's very Mm -hmm. dashing. Um, and he seems to be the only character in this whole film that like has his shit together. Like, you know, to the point where when he does see the stalker, I think he's just like, oh, little boy, come on in. Wear my pajamas while I fuck the girl that you're obsessed yeah, with. Yeah, wear my pajamas because I'm not wearing them while I'm fucking the girl you're obsessed with. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Like, like he's almost like patronizing him, which is proven when he's like, Hey, right before you go, I'm going to take you a picture of you, Polaroid picture of you guys together, just so you can see what you will never have for the rest of your life. Um, It's the only way it makes sense to me because literally why, like, I'm going to go get the camera to take a picture. Yeah, right. Here's your life. Here's your memento, your lifelong memento of the, my fucking girlfriend you've been stalking. And here's where it gets really problematic. He takes their picture. And then she throws him a bone by saying, you know, Kirby, maybe one day I'm going to wake up and realize that, you know, it was my loss. And for somehow, <laughs> somehow he sees you like my Annie McDowell impression. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, I One day I'm going to have to go through all of our shows and just patchwork all of your impressions of all the different actors. And I, I think Andy McDowell's. <laughs> is probably more pitch perfect than any of them. They are, it's, it's kind of, yeah. oh boy, so, it's hurting uh, me. Yeah, so she's like, it's oh, Kirby, me. you know, maybe it's gonna, I'll realize it's my loss. And he's like, <laughs> somehow takes that bone and bashes her over the head with it by just like grabbing her into this dramatic dip and kissing her. And this is the most problematic part. He then drives away the victor. Yes. This is what the problem is. And Andy McDowell is like dumbfounded by. Well, I mean, she does have how brain sexy of a it was. Brain of a squirrel. I mean, she's, she can only really keep medicine in there. And the notion that like, if there is a black child, she should pick him up. That's all <laughs> that she really keeps. I mean, she can't remember to even take the garbage I mean, out on time. I don't hate Andy McDowell. Judith does. Andy, I do too. But, but like. <laughs> Oh, that's the other, he threatens her roommate. Like Kirby is fucking insane. And somehow after kissing Andy McDowell, he gets to drive away in this stolen vehicle with this music playing like he's a fucking champion. And that was a toxic fucking message to send. Toxic. 
so so he should be in jail. Yes. Um, and he should now, be in a padded he, cell. Exactly. Like he's got he's got emotional problems. Um, now let's move on to other characters that probably belong in jail or in intense therapy for the rest of their lives. Well, I mean, intense therapy, we've got Kevin, the nihilist writer, right? Who's obsessed with Leslie and in love with her. I'll tell you, Andrew McCarthy is a good actor in my oh, opinion. He is. And he is. he's the one where I enjoy his character, even though he is such a poser. You know what I mean? Like, like I kind mm-hmm. of can forgive a lot of it just because Andrew McCarthy brings it. Whereas everyone else in it is a very much a caricature of themselves. Like, you know, caricature of the characters they're playing, caricature of the actors they are in the real world. Like- I feel like we should just lean into the problematic man, problematic man aspect of this for just a moment. So I'm gonna come back to Alec, who is the most obviously problematic, like in your face on surface problematic because he's such an obnoxious yuppie. The part, well, and he's a cheat. He's a and cheater. he's a disgusting cheat. Actually, that's a part of their whole crew that weirds me out because they're oddly ancestral with each other in ways that is just like icky and really fucking, really well, fucking weird. Um, well, yeah, because he's he's a cheat, right? So he and and the and the one he talks about all the time in this film is the the girl who um, modeled the lingerie, rich, the, the leggy yes, blonde, which right? takes me to this part where I'm like, okay. Now we've got, we, we're going to have a theme. We're going to have this fucking stalker. And then a thing about boundaries with women transcending into just straight up old rapey Billy. Okay. So in this scene with the fucking lingerie, when Kevin is over and he comes home with the lingerie for Leslie, first of all, why? You reached inside the bag and you could feel that it was lacy. It's clearly not a fucking, it's not a cat. All right. It's not a cat. It's not a vegetable. It's fabric. You can see you pulled out a a little bit and you could see what it is. It's the red lacy negligee that he said he was going to get for you. And then in front of your friend, you pulled it out all the way. Then go try it on while your friend is over. So she does. Then they like start getting raucous in the bedroom over it. And what I don't like is that, first of all, their friend is over. And I know it's meant to be like, a thing that sets up the torture of their relationship for Kevin. But what I don't like is that that scene ends with her screaming, get off me. Oh, does it? It does. Yeah, yeah. Interesting, interesting. And that's, I mean, that's actually kind of representative of their whole relationship. Yeah. It's just really creepy, but yeah. not as creepy as old rapey Billy. Oh, girl. But before we get into that, you said incestuous. Is he cheating on her with jewels on occasion yes. as well yes because they've got that scene later on where yes. they allude to it they don't say it straight out so well, because up, jules is molly so they used to date amy <laughs> it's just really shitty like these are shitty friends like all these friends yeah. should not be they friends. are shitty fucking people that what do i have that? that's friends. my that's my note right here is these are <laughs> fucking train wreck people they're not even okay. garbage people they're train wreck people I mean, Alec is, is to, in my opinion, he's just um, controlling, he's a cheat, um, and then he's got, of course, anger issues. The thing and he's that a narcissist. Yeah, yeah. The thing that doesn't scan with me, the thing that doesn't make sense, again, why, is later on at Kirby's party that we've already discussed or mentioned, it, it all comes out, right? It, his yeah. cheating comes out. And- 
he he smacks down Kevin because he thinks Kevin is the one who who um, ratted him out. He kicks Leslie out of the apartment, and it was like, well, wait a second, you're the one who she did because he's like, a narcissist. Because he's a narcissist. I, that's not. But is she so weak willed that she's like, okay, like, I mean, it just doesn't make sense. Because if I was in a relationship with someone, and they cheated on me, he's the one sleeping outside. Like, it doesn't, unless it's his apartment that she stays in. You know, I mean, if we want to, like, just alliterate the entire female cast, we've got damn Dale, Jesus, Jules, lame Leslie, and Wendy Y. (laughs) All right. That's fair enough. But it's just one of those things too. It's like this dude, maybe it's just, I think I was just angry at it for women. It's like a dude cheats on you terribly, like, like, like really bad cheating, like fucking sales girls in dressing rooms whilst buying gifts. Faceless, nameless, many. Yeah. Like, and when you find out he kicks you out of the apartment, like, it's just one of those things that's like, uh, how can you at all have sympathy for his character whatsoever? I know. Like, and then the only, the only thing about their relationship that rung true at all was the argument they had, oh, uh, not even argument, but like the bitterness over splitting up the record collection. No, Springsteen leaves this house. Found the one scene Needle in a haystack, girl. You found the one scene in this film <laughs> that had that, any kind of authenticity to it that felt real at I don't all. know. I don't know if authenticity is the right word. It was just funny. It was just like, oh, that's funny. Ha ha. You know what I mean? But other than that, other than that. You're not taking the pretenders first album. Yeah, I bought yeah. it. No, you didn't. It's not leaving this house. Like, yeah, that's yeah, that's, that's some fine. real shit. What's that's not fine. some real shit before we before we can dive into rapey Billy? Award for worst marital fight ever goes to him and Felicia. That was the worst fucking bullshit scene ever, ever, ever. Okay. But we probably should just talk about Rapey Billy a little bit before we like jump into that. So Billy, so Billy, apparently he's their wild child friend who met a girl got her pregnant and then married her like immediately after high school, I assume. Right. But somehow college, 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 college. Sorry. Um, but is somehow running amok fucking everyone in this small town and is taking advantage of the fact that Wendy has been holding a torch for him for some length of time. And they hang out like besties all the time. So much so that she brings, she allows him to total her car. And after the fact, after she, he has totaled her car, he is somehow invited to a meal at her family home where he mocks her mother and then crawls out on their roof, terrifies the entire family, is somehow allowed to come back inside where she thinks this is the right setup for her to give her flower to bad Billy, who is her friend, knows that she's a virgin, knows that she's super self-conscious, kisses her, immediately grabs her boob. She recoils because she's, you know, the, she's not a sex pot. That's not what her, her vibe is at all. He sees that she's somewhat uncomfortable and then goes right up her skirt 
Yeah. Yeah. Right up her skirt and then mocks her for wearing whatever kind of like, it's a girdle. It's a priest. It's Spanx. Yeah. It's yeah. Spanx, right. It's a girdle. It's fine. It's, you know, calls it a scuba suit, makes her feel really sad and un- embarrassed. She kicks him out. And at least he does feel kind of bad about that and leaves the money behind his character gets some points for that he does not get points he does not get points for leaving the door open behind himself and walking (laughs) out yet again into some white light like it's a terrible 90s hair rock video what the fuck well you know windy why i windy why why are you like not upset that he's troubling your family yeah like i know she doesn't feel it's not that she doesn't like well she's obsessed with him that's the thing she's like got that obsessive level crush on him but he's married number one yeah but that doesn't i mean nobody has a moral compass no that's what i'm saying no one over the moral the moral capacity of a 15 year old could possibly engage with this film he's married he's a train wreck he's an alcoholic and he's and he's a rapist and, and and he's a rapist and a fucking freeloader Right. All he's like constantly taking money off of her um, because he's taking advantage of her and their friendship. Right. So, yeah, I don't I don't give him points for leaving the money behind. You know, what I mean, like there's no points gained. He just didn't lose extra points. You know <laughs> yes. what I mean? It's like it, it's and, and can I also say, though, that um, I don't know why Felicia doesn't get more airtime in this. And I think it's because they you know, talking about a single mother out of um, college is like a boring story. Like she, her life's done. It's, it's over. Right. And, and I hate and the only thing that could possibly save her is marrying another man. Yes. Oh my God. And it sucks because Jenny Wright is the actress that, um, and I, oh God. Felicia, and I love that actress. She was in near dark and she was in the chocolate war and she's a really interesting actress. Didn't do tons of stuff, and but it was kind of like, why, like, do we not get to see her story at all? And mind you, I, I know that it's just, you know, why is uh, every one of his friends? Cause they're all shit people, but like, they're just fine with co-signing on him, basically abandoning his kid being like, she'll be better off. And so will the kid Ew, garbage 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 but of course felicia doesn't make that decision until after the aforementioned fight scene that i that i mentioned right so he gets a gig after losing job after job he finally gets a gig in a band and they're playing at the saint elmo bar for it's halloween my note here is i can't hate them more i just hate everything about this party scene so much so 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 fucking much i say the thing that bothers me my thing that bothers me is um, the setup that happens is he's on stage, he's playing it up. He literally makes out with jewels yes. you know, on a thing. That's what I mean. They're so and incestuous. Then, it's icky. And then Felicia comes in with another dude and sits down. My question is, is that it takes like five, 10 minutes for them like for him to notice her, but his friends notice her and none of them do anything. None of them go, yeah. Hey, let's play interference here right. because if we don't, there's going to be a big fight. No, they actually like sit back and order popcorn. Right. They're like hand me some red vines. This is going to be good. Like they're shit friends. They're just terrible people. Like if that had happened in our friend circle, out of high school, right? Let me, you know, or college. Like, and we saw that 
one of us, I know, would go over and be like, yo, if someone, you know, if, if he sees you, this is going to explode. But no one does that. No moral compass. They just wait. They just like, ooh, what's going to happen? And of course, it's what happens is the shittiest scene. The shittiest I, scene. I, I don't oh know my if it's God. the shittiest scene. It's so, uh, I don't know. There's so many to choose There's from. So there really are so many terrible that. scenes to choose Can't from. Really but like, that. yeah, they get into this horrible fucking ridiculous public Maury Povich style fucking fight that spills out into the street with him saying something disgusting saying like just watch out guys if you meet like if you have if you have kids and they meet some little slut and get her knocked up look what your life oh my fucking god it's nasty he says some nasty fucking nasty shit then of course they see each other and he's like Billy Felish and then they Felish and then they fucking Mac right there and everyone's like, woo! And they clap. And then and everything's it's gross. fine. Oh, and, it's and gross. of course, we have to mention that um, this is Joel Schumacher's sexy, uh, second sexy sax man. Yeah. Clearly a fetish. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to have to do that when we watch lots of Joel Schumacher films and just like note all his different fetishes. Yeah. So thus far, sexy sax men. And just using the same song again and again and again. Like, was Kenny G that popular? (laughs) No, dude. He wasn't. I'm I'm struggling. I'm struggling (laughs) for why. Like, because Rob Lowe does play the guitar. Like, why didn't they just make him a guitarist? Why why did he have to be a sax man? It's fucking weird. So it goes on that there's some, some evening where oh wait there's another fuck okay we'll have to come back to that but (sighs) jules gives him a ride home yes this is this is probably the you know okay so we've got the stalker bad and now this is the race the 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 rapey bad bad, right yeah the rapey bad and this is after actually and this is what actually makes this a little bit more i can tie these two things together this makes it a little bit more upsetting because We've already had a scene where Jules cried fake rape. I'm I, I'm pretty sure I heard the oh, words the Arab for gangbang in Arab oh, yeah. for gangbang. Arabs. Okay. Oh, They've got barrels full of cocaine. Come and get me. And then Alec comes to the rescue. Yeah, yeah. She propositions him, turns him down, and then she calls some other guy. Right. Yeah, yeah. So we've got one fake rape claim versus this shit. Jules is in the car with her trusted friend, and she. He comes on to her, she goes for it, but then tries to have a real conversation, but he won't have it. And he keeps forcing himself on her. And she's like, dude, stop, stop. I said, no, or like I said, or I can't remember what he said, but he says, says who? And she says, says me. And he goes, oh, really? And then keeps trying it with her and then takes her keys and puts them down her pants and then when his, she, pants, his, his pants. pants, excuse me, takes her yeah. keys and puts them down his pants. And then she basically pushes him out of the whole ass Jeep. They get into this fight where she's trying to get her keys back and he's grabbing her head and pushing it towards his crotch. And I watch the grapes, watch the grapes. This scene is so, so it's upsetting. So- it's so upsetting. And, and then the icing on the cake, of course, is his wife and baby are in the house where this is happening in the house this is happening on the lawn yeah 
basically and, and in front of the door. It's doing just, this. Yeah. I don't, you know what? One of the things is, is that he's, and, and really what they're, what, what the end of this scene is, is just like, oh, Billy, you've done it again. It's really just like, oh, slap him on the wrist. Oh, Billy, are you ever going to figure it out? It's not the, 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 the 11 degree of like, should we call somebody to put this guy in handcuffs? Like there's nothing like in this that actually identifies him as a drunk as don't a save it for your boss. Ew, he's disgusting. Oh, it's, he it's is horrific. disgusting. It's horrific. I mean, we can't say it more, kids. And and you know, this isn't about Rob Lowe. This is about like, like, I don't know how anybody wrote this film and just was like, this is fine. And it's really upsetting if you think that we watched this movie and you know, I mean, we didn't really talk about how we, you know when we watched this when we were younger and things. And and to be fair, I watched it and I remembered parts of it, but it was not at all what Breakfast Club was to me. Like it no. was, you know, it's kind of like, oh, and then there's the next one. And I think really my only memory of it was the song. Dum, 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 dum. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I don't remember any of the, like it, it didn't, it wasn't so good or so powerful I, in my brain, even as a, you know, well, that I, mean, I don't think it influenced me that much. Well, it, because Breakfast Club spoke to your soul. And this can't because it's so unrelatable. Yeah. These characters are yeah. so far gone and unrelatable into their privilege. That's why they're saying that guy, I said, if you weren't the, had the moral compass of a 15 year old, how could you possibly? How could you possibly consider this like something that spoke to you unless you were a really rich white waspy kid from the East Coast like that? You know, maybe if you actually grew up on Dawson's Creek, this was like this was your breakfast club. But I don't I don't see how it could be for anyone else. So, and yeah, so and Billy gets no consequences zero. at all. Zero. In fact, at the end, he actually does make the love with Wendy Y. He gets rewarded and ultimately. He gets rewarded. And and somehow, okay, so we're 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 getting we're getting there, like towards like what happens in the end, right? He gets yeah, rewarded yeah. by actually being given Wendy's virginity. Yeah. And somehow this fucking absolute shit show of a human is the one that comes through with the magical St. Elmo's fire monologue to save the day when Jules completely melts the fuck down, has clearly been on a coke-fueled spiral since the beginning of the fucking film. It's finally gone too far. She's maxed out all of her credit cards. Um, her father, her rich father has forsaken her. Her stress and her anxiety and her addiction have Boss gotten dumped her. Yeah, boss dumped her. Everything's everything's gone wrong for Jules. She's been lying to herself and all of her friends. And like I said, enacts a Kate Bush video in her apartment, locks herself inside, opens all the windows, lets the blue curtains billow around her while she attempts to slowly freeze to death is her. Okay, can we just talk about that? Of uh, like this girl is an addict. And as opposed to just getting some drugs. That's what I was thinking. Why wouldn't you just going do, down? find your Arab homies and do a barrel full of blow? Right. Go out with a bang. That, she is going to freeze herself um, 
which is going to take a lot of time. A lot of time. So, I mean, if you've ever, I mean, and to a degree, maybe this is what the monologue is about. This is all in your head. You know, obviously this woman is creating the drama, you know, to be saved. You're you know, just making this up, Jules. It's just St. Elmo's fire. I mean, there's there's part of me that's kind of like, I'm not making this up. I've had a fucking bad day. I was re- thank you. I was really offended when he said that. I was like, she like, ain't making shit up, not, dude. She's not making it up. I mean, that's not the problem. The right. problem is if you're going to kill yourself, like there's easier ways. Clearly, this is a cry for help. So if it's a cry for help, girl, let's help you. But it's just, yeah, I'm with you. Of anybody who would play the the old wise one who would come in with this bullshit St. Elmo's fire story, why the, you know, attempted rapist? Why give him, you know, it should be Leslie, right? Leslie's the one who does Oh, because that. lame Leslie is busy on the fucking fire escape still trying to like talk about talk it out between Kevin and Alex. She's so lame. She's so lame. I can't with her. I can't. I really don't like Leslie at all. It's Bush League. Well, I don't like any of the characters. That's the thing. No, that that is it. You can't like anybody. You really can't like anybody. There's no one to like in this. I mean, you know, we we didn't go all the way with Anne. I mean, I think we've we've got bad Billy done. We didn't really go all the way with you're killing me, Kevin. Um, (laughs) You know, he does end up um, getting Leslie, getting the girl, at least for a night. And they have the stupidest love scene forever. Oh my God. Fucking in the shower, fucking on the coffin, fucking on the floor. Fucking. Yeah. Yeah. Come on now. I actually read about it and it, and with all the fake sweat that they put on his shoulders, but that was pretty fucking hilarious. The thing that bothers me the most is she's wearing her fucking pearls throughout all of oh it. Oh my I god! Get it to a degree, like it, there's a sexiness in it, and I'm with you. Like, all right, you know, leave your pearls on, but not when you're doing sex acrobats. Acrobat, you know, like first she's there in the shower, and like you said, like if that's happening, you've got to take the pearls off. You know, like we're 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 doing a routine here. Um, but the point that I was going to make is I actually heard that she was not aware that they were going to be doing this crazy love scene and um, was super uncomfortable oh, doing no. it. And at one point, um, Joel Schumacher like yelled at her kind of like, act like you're enjoying it. Like some shit like oh, that, God. which made her cry. Oh, God. Andrew McCarthy was like, what the fuck is wrong with you, Joel? And was like stood up for her, which is just, you know, he's a stand-up guy, I think. I hope. You know, it's like I want to say nice things about people these days, but then it's like you find out, you know, child pornography in their basements and shit like that. You never know. But he seems like at least in this one we instance, haven't heard otherwise anyway. We're gonna give him the benefit of the either. doubt until we hear otherwise. Yes. Oh, that's awful. It was horrible. That's really horrible. And but then the scene, is, the scene is stressed. I mean, maybe that's why this it's so like laughable and extreme. Like it's yeah. a weird sex scene. Like, and actually, I think it's probably the one thing I remember from this film <laughs> is this weird sex scene when it they goes get on forever. It's um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get it. Um it doesn't make me feel uncomfortable. It's just like there's something off to it like there's just something 
a bit off. Like maybe it has the fact that they don't have much chemistry, uh, you know, I don't know. And, and really you're killing me, Kevin got his whole thing with his like dark soul. And I thank you for remembering the prostitute because gosh, I just did not comprehend those late night. I never miss him. I never miss a magical Negro. (laughs) It was just like, I mean, why, why do we have this scene? And the only black person is a a prostitute absolutely absolutely yeah and then you're killing me kevin because you too have to be a controlling man and tell her we're moving in together and then when he gets when she gets on the phone with alec be like tell hang up tell him we're moving in together like ew bro what the fuck what the actual living fuck yeah, so he ends up being pretty miserable as well. So now we 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 should go talk about the the female characters a little bit because I think we? there's even no there's even more. Well, I'll tell you this: there's even more to um um uh, some of them. I think so. So Wendy, why? Um, on top of being, you know, this put upon, you know, lovelorn, uh, Jewess who's who's bankrolling Billy. Like she's also got the white savior syndrome. Oh my God. Right. To the umps degree. So like one of her first scenes is, is she's obviously like working in a welfare office or some kind of social services. And she is speaking with a mother of like five children and two happen to be biracial. Mm-hmm. Did you notice this? Of course I noticed that. And it just plays into the 1980s uh, welfare queen myth that, you know, people are just having babies left oh, and yeah, right. Here we go. One black check, child blah, blah, sitting blah. alone, sitting alone on the floor that needs to be fucking rescued. Two other biracial children that obviously can't be anywhere other than the welfare office. And then an actual black woman who couldn't possibly be anything other than a fucking prostitute. Like, fuck you, it's 1985. Like, over it so right? i mean fucking this is, over it mm. now mind you this movie is like they are rich east coast i mean they all went to georgetown right. privileged you know this is the class right and they all went to high school in chicago with no black skin with no black kids <laughs> it's just it's really it's really upsetting you know like like and and she so she she goes through it and her big thing is that she wants some independence from her family and her father is like the sweetest man in the world and just wants to take care of her. But of course it, it treats her like, um, you know, as soon as you get married, then you can move in. And he's mm-hmm. kind of pressuring her into marriage. And then, you know, before she bones bad Billy, she gets the stupidest monologue in the world about a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, which might be the other thing that I remember about this film. It is it could give Shauna Astin's Goonie monologues a run for their money. It is so stupid. It's and it just- was the best peanut butter and jelly sandwich I ever had in my life. <laughs> oh, Wendy, why? Wendy, why? Did the sandwich get a piece of the theme? It should have. Good oh. God. Yeah. And, and like, and like, I don't know their, their character, her character is just so boring with her, her family who all 
own uh, greeting cards. It's well, I mean, that was just a commentary on Jewish wealth, though. That's all that was. That's why. Yeah, now that's the only reason that was there. It's so awful. It's it's actually really upsetting. Like I didn't even notice that whilst watching it, and now that you bring it up, it's like glaring. And and there's a part actually when he's talking to Billy at the dinner table. Yeah, the cross brother-in-law. He straight up says with a smile at dinner while his wife is sitting next to him, he says, the second I, the day after I married whoever the fuck she is, I got three stores and bought a BMW. Yeah, just bought that's a new BMW. It's crass. Like, it's really, that's what I'm saying. A dinner table. They're nothing but a walking so stereotype. Insane. Yeah, it's really I mean, awful. You know what? I want to say that it's anti-Jew here or 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 not anti-Jew, but stere- you know, stereotyping Jews. But the truth is, I think it's just that all the men in this film are shitty. Like all of the men are shitty. And even when they are teetering on being nice, meaning like her father, mm-hmm. um, or you know, you can say you're killing me, Kevin is kind of nice. Like even when they teeter on being nice, they still be end up being shit bags. They're still like, condescending no and controlling and yeah, and yeah they're just gross. Like, no matter what. Let's see what else. It's a shit show, man. It's a shit show. I think we've basically hit all we've gone through the fire yeah. to I'm the limit to the wall. I mean, let's there's check no in. more. We're, we've hit the wall. There's <laughs> nothing else to say except for how else could this movie end but with these douchebags planning bougie brunch? Oh, is that what happens? That's how it is. is. That's the last thing they do is plan brunch. It is so very, very true. Yeah. That's it. <sighs> That's it. That's all, all she the fire wrote. department. Put the fucking fire out. It's done. <laughs> I just, I'm looking at my notes to see, see if there's anything I've left. And all I can see is words like cringy, um, <laughs> like the words that are popping out here. No one is likable in this film. Nobody is likable. Nobody. I'm, Nobody. Yeah. The most likable person in this film is the restaurant owner that fired Kirby last week. <laughs> Oh, my days. I, I, yep. Oh, my other scene was, uh, you know, when Billy and no, when Jules is having her nervous breakdown, we didn't really get into depth with Jules. I mean, she's just flippant and, and God, I read actually that Demi Moore was really embarrassed about the scene when she's um, trying to kill herself. In the Kate Bush video. Yeah. 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 Because she was like, it's just so stupid and cringy. She's like, it's just cringeworthy. It's me. Um, you choose your old roommate <laughs> in a fucking cold room. <laughs> no, but but what I have a question here is like nobody invited Wendy. Like everyone called everyone else. But what? like Wendy, right, Wendy, likely the most clear-headed, capable one of the bunch, has nothing to do with this. Thank God for thank God for Wendy. Wendy has a real job and a real life. Yeah, that's yeah, why. yeah. Is Wendy I mean, the job? That's why, that's why you think you <laughs> might like her. You know, you think you might like her, but but then the next scene, of course, is is Billy telling her, and then I saved her by you know telling her the story of Saint Elmo's fire. Like literally, that's what he's talking to her about is what happened and how he. You know, and her. and actually, and then, my thing, my thing was was like, 
who's to say that part of her wanting to fucking rock back and forth in the fetal position in a freezing cold room couldn't be triggered by the fact that one of her oldest friends basically tried to sexually assault her very easily there's a lot of things because that, that would push right. my fucking ass over the edge too. And I really needed a friend tonight. Yeah, I really needed there. a friend tonight. I'm fucking coked out of my mind. I'm an alcoholic. Um, my toxic relationship of a of a step parent is coming back to fucking haunt me. My father has cut me off from my money. Creditors are about to take job. all my shit. I really need a friend, and instead, you tried to force yourself on me. That would push me into a fucking freezing cold room too. But somehow she's willing to accept him as the one that makes her feel better. No. It's the Why? whole movie's trash. Light it on fire, St. Elmo. Light it on fire. And guide future filmmakers home to a place where nothing like this will be made again. Please. Yeah. Oh, oh, the other thing that happened. So so it ends with brunch, then the planning on brunch, but the other thing you didn't mention, the horror film part that you didn't mention, they look into the window of the bar and they've been replaced by new white people. Okay. On a transatlantic flight to visit me in Wales. Would you watch... St. Elmo's Fire, Backdraft, or anything with Liam Neeson. I would watch Backdraft. You know what? St. Elmo's Fire is so bad that if Backdraft wasn't the option and you had chosen Alive, I would have watched Alive. On an airplane? Yeah. You would have chosen Flight. Yeah. (laughs) Or what's the other one? Fucking Uh, La Bamba. Anything involving a plane crash, I would sooner watch that than St. Elmo's Fire again. Word. So thank you all so much for listening to our latest episode of Eating After Midnight. If you liked what you heard, please pop on over to iTunes or whatever platform you listen to us on and leave us a review. It would make our day to read some words from y'all who listen to our podcast regularly. We would really, really love to hear from you. Drop us some stars, drop us some words, even if you don't like us, because then we'll know we've made it. You would also make our day if you could follow us on Instagram at Eating After Midnight Podcast. And if you've got the time, DM us with any comments, questions, complaints. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time. Celebrate the moments of your life. Think back on the good times that you have spent with your good friends. Hopefully none of those moments involve stalking, raping, taking them for a ride for their money, or just being a general cheatery dick. (laughs) Hit it, aim. Let's hear the theme. Dum, dum. Bum 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 bum
<laughs> fucking bum.